Hello. Today is Friday, October 6, 2023, and welcome to episode 258 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI Deputy Executive Director Jessica Jones, and today I'm joined by two of NSI's two most favorite senior fellows, Morgan Vigna and Les Munson. Uh, sadly, Jamil is MIA as he's out flying somewhere yet again. So today we're talking about kind of the story of the week, which unless you literally are a hermit, you could not have missed. And that is the removal of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House. Uh, Earlier this week on Tuesday, the House voted 216 to 210 to oust McCarthy for, which I didn't know, the first time in U.N. history that the Speaker of the House has been voted out of office. And this comes a few days after, as we all know, the government nearly avoided a shutdown um, and lawmakers shelved a U.S. plan to send more aid to Ukraine. So the House is gone for a bit. And they're going to come together next week. Apparently, from some stories, they're going to try to have a vote next week. We can debate whether that's going to happen. Um, and while there's no clear front runner, there are a few names that have been bandied about. A lot has been written. A lot has been talked about. And while we thought Ukraine, you know, more aid to Ukraine was going to be tough before, it might be even tougher as some of the front runners have some opinions on it. Um, for example, Rep. Jim Jordan has said he would not move forward with Ukraine with aid to Ukraine. Steve Scalise is a bit more ambiguous, and we can talk about that. But he is friends with Matt Gates, who has voted against sending more aid to Ukraine. And of course, this is, you know, if we put this all into context, it's no surprise that Ukraine, our allies, and perhaps the rest of the world is seeing this as yet another example of the the U.S. seemingly in a bit of chaos and our, our democratic institutions under a bit of stress. And let's not forget that we're facing another government shutdown, potentially in a little over a month before Thanksgiving rolls around. Um, so the first question, you know, we debated whether to do this episode today because the story was from earlier this week and there's so much that's been talked about it. You know, first question to Lester Morgan, is it historic? I mean, is is this really a chaotic moment in the U.S.? Should our partners be worrying right now or is this just in the typical role of U.S. politics, just a nothing burger? Uh, I, I'm happy to go first, yeah. Jones. Uh, I think it's not a nothing burger. This, this has never happened before. A, sp- a sitting speaker has never been ousted in this fashion. The House has never been without a speaker for this length of time. So this is uh, this is very much a notable thing. Um, the uh, it's very interesting and of concern to our international friends and allies and adversaries that foreign policy does seem to be uh, one of the real issues involved here in both McCarthy's ouster and then possibly the race to replace him between Jordan Scalise and possibly Kevin Hearn. The the. Uh, topic of aid to Ukraine is fraught. Uh, McCarthy had not really, in my view, been doing a great job on aid to Ukraine. Uh, I think it remains to be seen how each one of those would handle the issue. They've each, each interestingly, left the door open to uh, the administration coming in and explaining where the money has gone, what the accountability measures are, and what the end game plan is, and then possibly setting up a vote on more aid to Ukraine. Now, that could be just political rhetoric or not, but I think the administration, whoever ends up in the speakership, the administration should call that bluff and go ahead and up and go up and engage with House Republicans and make a very aggressive but fair case for aid to Ukraine. On that level, Morgan, I mean, um, the Biden administration has said they're going to make a major speech, not, you know, putting aside whether they're going to go to the Hill, but they're going to make a major, major uh, public speech to shore up support, to explain what's going on, explain the situation in Ukraine. I mean, have they been doing enough to sell this to the American public? We've seen kind of waning support. I think there was a, um, a poll earlier this week that came out that showed, you know, a decrease in support amongst the American public. Like, 
is the administration doing enough? To Les's point, is our Hill leaders doing enough to also build up, you know, support for aid to Ukraine? Jess, I'm going to get to, to, to answer that question in a second, but I want to sort of go back to what Les said. I mean, yes, this year is historic. We're seeing a number of firsts uh, for elected officials on both sides of the aisle, quite frankly. Um, what we're seeing, it, there's a lot of drama, everything's high theatrics. At the end of the day, though, and I said this when Kevin Mac- took Kevin McCarthy 15 rounds to actually be elected speaker, our system of government was not set up to be easy. Democracy is hard. Our founders specifically did not want to make decisions by government to be made too easily. I mean, they had that in the UK, in, in England. They decided not to do that here. So let's let, let's be very clear that these decisions that we make, that our elected officials make, they take time. Are they taking more time than they have historically? <laughs> yeah, it's like, wait a minute, there's a yes. that's coming, right? <laughs> right? But as I said, you know, back, um, back, you know, last winter is that, look, the sun will rise tomorrow. It'll be okay. Um, we will be fine. Um, I have faith in our democracy. I have faith in our, uh, some of our elected officials. <laughs> so I, I, I remain confident um, that, that, you know, we will, the Capitol will still remain standing after the vote next Tuesday. With that said, going back to Ukraine. Um, no, I mean, the administration really hasn't made a persuasive case to, to the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians clearly did not make a persuasive case when Zelensky came down to Washington during high level week. I think you have some ardent supporters of assistance to Ukraine. I think there are many uh, Republicans, particularly in the Senate, who think that the administration should have expedited um, you know, weapons and, and armaments to, to, to the Ukrainians um, from the get-go. I and mean, I would really like to take a look at how much money we actually haven't spent thus far uh, and sent to Ukraine. I mean, I think it's in the billions at this point. So I think we really do need to take a closer look at um, what what the administration hasn't spent that the, the admin, that Congress has actually appropriated. At the same time, though, looking towards the future, Russia is still bearing down on the Ukrainians. They're still violating Ukrainian sovereignty. And this is going to be a protracted conflict. And so I think the administration really does need to make um, a tougher push uh, to, to, to make the case for Ukraine. I think Republicans in the Senate as well need to sort of stand up and um, take a, a harder line against their, their Republicans, particularly in the House, and, and make the case for, for why continued assistance to Ukraine matters. Let me nerd out a little bit on House procedure. There's a couple of facts here that are important to remember. There's a huge majority in both the House and the Senate to support aid to Ukraine. If there were a freestanding vote in the House right now, we'd get at least 300 votes in favor of robust aid to Ukraine. In the Senate, probably be 80, 85 or more votes in favor of robust aid to Ukraine. The question is whether there can be that freestanding vote on a bill to provide aid to Ukraine. We saw what happened to Kevin McCarthy because of this very narrow Republican majority. His speakership was vulnerable. Personally, I think it was, this is really a lot about um, uh, individual animosities between the members, not about policy issues with respect to the House Republican Conference. And that's what kind of what did Speaker McCarthy in at the end of the day. But as we go through this race, if we see that the House Republicans change the process for vacating the chair and make it a more realistic process, whereby it would take some more significant number of members to call the question on the chair, like 25 or 50, or even what would be smart, a majority of the majority, so about 120 members to be able to do this, then you will see a speaker who has the flexibility, even though he may be opposed to aid to Ukraine, 
to have that vote and let it go through, and then his speakership won't be in jeopardy. So that nuance of how the House Republicans will call the question on the chair on the speakership going forward could be the thing that's determinative here. So what I actually wanted you to nerd on less, though, was the Thunderdome that might be coming next week amongst the Republic. Can you please right. tell so us there's, about that? There's some, there's some great stuff that's going to be happening next week if you're, <laughs> if you're a political junkie. Uh, on Monday, the House Republicans are going to have a closed debate between the speaker candidates, so Jordan Scalise and maybe Kevin Hearn, moderated by Brett Baer <laughs> from Fox News. It won't be on TV, at least not as of yet. It'll be can a picture closed it in our minds, debate. Though. You can picture it in your mind. You can just imagine what they're, what the folks in the crowd are yelling or throwing onto the stage. And then on Tuesday, former President Trump is going to show up and uh, offer his thoughts to the House Republican Conference. Uh, and I'm guessing those will be a little more public because uh, that he tends to operate in the public sphere. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Uh, so there's there's going to be a he, lot he of fun also, here. He offered before. himself up as a temporary speaker, well, right? He, so. he, and he, maybe he's the compromise choice. Maybe he's what America needs right now. I, I mean, I doubt it, but uh, we'll see what happens early next <laughs> well, week. Warren's, I mean, we just need a little more drama, right? Things are too steady. They're too calm. We, we can't right. have another calm week like this. It's too boring for fault lines. Um, okay, guys, that's a wrap. Thanks so much to Tatum Clifton, Claude Jennings, and the NSI team for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Monday, October 9th for another episode of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. We're now up on YouTube, so check us out there. And Jamil's not here today, so you don't, you don't have to see him if you check it out, check us out there. And if you like what you heard, uh, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>